right, everybody, talk about it outdoors, live in the studio at the Wilson Compound 2021, getting ready to kick off. It's been a few weeks since we've been on, and we are excited as we could be to get back in tune with you. Can't thank everybody for sticking around and sticking with us as it's went. And we are, uh, we're excited. I know, I know one of our members is excited as always in studio, Nick Wilson, Cody Watson. We got a special guest in the house with us tonight. I'm going to introduce a little bit later, but as it goes, I'm going to let him sit on the sideline for a little bit as we run through all the, uh, rigmarole and the bull crap as it, uh, as it unfolds. So Nick, happy new year to you. 2021, we ended 2020 on a high note, a lot of, uh, a lot of fanfare and uh, excitement buzzing around everything we were doing in 2020 and coming into 2021 we're uh, <laughs> we're excited <laughs> we're very not excited. as excited as me we're very excited you know as we uh, we wanted to come in hot off the uh, the new year start and get right into it and get a few episodes going but unfortunately um i was out with covid um not myself personally my wife and dad dad's still suffering from it a little bit and there's a lot of that going around right now so everybody you know first and foremost be careful because we're in the red zone double red zone now is what they said and and be careful when you're out and about especially when you're getting around the older loved ones because i seen it firsthand it's something that we need to take seriously and you need to be careful when you're out so um this episode brought to you in partnership with South Wild, Southeast Wildlife Innovations, makers of Attracts, and SWI Supreme Wildlife Feed and Supplement. SWI, the future begins today. We are uh, we're over the top excited for that uh, to see what that product will do for us in 2021. Absolutely. We ended the year filling up feeders with it, and you know, four or five, ten, twelve different sites across the county, and it was a. Uh, it was exciting i'm gonna have to quit saying that i can't help myself but uh i'm a trendsetter what can i say (laughs) hold on man it's unfortunate that he had to say that already golly but it's uh it's been fun and we're 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 definitely looking forward to getting this episode kicked off it should have been taking place last year but our old buddy he was stuck out of out of state killing big bucks we got that story lined up for you anybody that hadn't seen it posted go over to the facebook page and check out that little teaser eric's buck was on there and it was something we were excited for to put out today um Nick, going into 2021, you know, we buzzed in at the end of 2020 with our previous episode when we wanted to talk about what we're excited for for the year. What's some buzz things that's come up in the last couple of weeks that, you know, we may not have got to mention to anybody that's on your mind? Well, you guys put it out there today on the social media platform, the new apparel line we should be coming out with, with the, or uh, soon to be coming apparel. Yeah, the logo, um, Tracy did a really good job on getting that logo together for us, and it, it turned out you know better than it, than we could have anticipated. I think it looks good, and it's a little catchy. And uh, I think the, the items that we're putting out there are going to generate people to, you know, we want you to pick up the brand. We want to promote it. We're not making a lot of money off of it. It's not something we're doing that for. It's really just for us to promote it and what little bit of money we do get. We're going to put right back in, continue to do our giveaways, and we've got some exciting giveaways that we're going to be announcing in the next couple of weeks. 1,350 members on the Talk About It Outdoors page on Facebook already. We were racing to get to 1,000, and 350 came pretty quick. That's just quick. So we should be – we've kind of kicked around the idea of maybe doing a giveaway to maybe reach 2,000 at some point, and – uh, we don't know yet what we're going to – 2,000 is a big number. It is. So we'd have to come up with something really, really good to get to 2,000. And we got a lot of, you know, 
special holidays coming up with Father's Day and things like that down the road. I'm sure there'll be some items that we want to do for a giveaway at that point. We get to that down the road. Just pump your brakes, Alex. First, hey, wait, pump your brakes. First, pump your brakes of 2021. I want to get right into a pump your brake moment. Shout out to mine and Cody's good buddy, Clyde Cassette. He's up in Alaska. Was it Poconot or Pochani or something like that? Yeah. Negative 18 degrees. We mentioned him earlier on mm-hmm. that we had met him, and uh, the sun still ain't come up on old Clyde no. in Alaska. <laughs> he said it's a, he's, it's like till February the 15th or something, the sun stays down. So it was like negative, wow. negative uh, 18 degrees yep. the other night when he texted us. Yep. He said hello. So shout out to Clyde. Definitely want to try to get Clyde down. You talk about a storyteller. You think I can talk. That joker talked the ears off a of billy goat. <laughs> I mean, he likes to talk. So as you said, on this Pumpy Breaks moment, our apparel is coming out. We're going to drop that later on this week. There's a lot of things that you may or may not like. Hats, shirts, hoodies, koozies, cups. We might even have a face mask or two on there. It's kind of weird and cliche to put a talk about it uh, face mask out there because it does say talk about it right on it. You can't talk about it when you got a mask on. I'm wearing my mask right now because I don't want to get y'all sick. But It'll be etched in somebody's mind if they're looking you in the face talking to you. That's right. Well, we're forever etched in everyone's mind one <laughs> podcast at a time. That's that's what we're trying to do. Etch ourselves into your hearts one podcast at a time. So You want the bad news for 2021 so nope. far? Oh, I know it. <clears throat> Finish the deer season off. Zero deer. How, how many times in your, I guess, your hunting career has that happened? A lot. You've ended. You've never. You've went a lot of years without killing deer. One, at least one deer. Yeah. Ooh, sucks to be you. <laughs> <laughs> I've never. I've never had that happen. Really. First year since I started hunting when I was twelve years old, and I'm thirty four, that I didn't kill a deer in Georgia. Now, Dad, I sat with him early season with with the crossbow and watched him shoot that one. But this is the first year that I hadn't killed one in Georgia. Lucky enough to get two out of state, but we won't go into that. I don't feel like now. it's from. It is from not opportunities not having there, but also I did have opportunities to kill deer at certain times, but I just chose not to take those. Amazing how much uh, not wanting to drag one comes into play the older you get, ain't it? That <laughs> doe looks good. I got to get better about hunting early season. I, I've been lazy hunting. You know, Georgia opening so early, I get I get lazy about getting out there in this hot temperatures trying to trying to bow hunt here early season. So I'm gonna get better about that this year. Well, better pump your brakes. <laughs> pump your brakes and get ready for the 2021 season because we got a lot of time to prepare for that. There's turkey season. There's coyote season. There's, well, that's all year round. There's fishing coming up. We got all kinds of things through the summer that's going to you know, take the place of the void and what we're missing with deer season. So, hey, I ain't got no complaints with the, with the deer season the way it ended up for me. It turned out good. No complaints. I wish I'd have got to kill a few more. I hunted a really, really good deer in Georgia, and he was coming to the camera right up until the last few days. No daylight pictures of him, which was no surprise, but I'll tell you something. He's going to – He blows up, and I'm going to pump that SWI Supreme Protein in his mouth all year long. If he keeps coming to that feeder, whoo-wee, he adds 37 inches. We're going to be talking about something special, so – Pumping my brakes on that. <laughs> but that's definitely something I'm excited for. I cannot wait to see what that deer does. And I'm going to try to keep my cameras out a little bit longer than I usually do. At least one, because that's really the only one I'm getting pictures on besides those. He so, did make it, though. He did make it. Whew. It's a, it's a scary time. You know, that's something that gets nerve-wracking. 
especially with the way trail cameras are now, it gets very, very nerve wracking to watch a deer you've been trying to trying to hunt, trying to kill day after day. And when he disappears during the rut, you're like, where'd he go? What happened to him? And you're always worried about it. So we'll get into that, I'm sure, as the year goes on. As always, we're going to kick it over to Cody Watson, shooting you straight episode for 2021. The first one, I think he's got some special moments for that. And uh, before we go into that, I want to go ahead and bring on board the introduction of the man himself, Eric Richards, in studio with a Spur Brand Pro staff member. He's also affiliated with Mossy Oak, Black Widow Deer Lures, Vortex Optics, Deer 30 Mineral Supplements, and Polar Bear Coolers. He's also the Cherokee County Chapter President of the NTWF, and uh, I hope y'all can come out to the banquet. Eric will probably give us a little bit more information on that. What I do? NWTF. I ask you dummies if it was NTWF, and I ain't talking it down here. Bunch of jack legs. I tell you what, National, National Turkey Wildlife Federation. Is that what that stands for? Hey, press that green button over there. Which one? <laughs> uh, there it is. I'm going to go ahead and take that and edit that. I ain't editing that out. I ain't no turkey hunter. NWTF. National Wildlife. Federation. When's that banquet? Eric, good to see you, man. Glad to have you on with us tonight. Thank you. Glad to be here. Uh, we don't have a banquet date set yet because of all the COVID stuff going on, so we're kind of hanging back and see what happens. Y'all going to do a Zoom call for a banquet? No, we're not a Zoom call. <laughs> well, that'd be special. I'd be all about a Zoom call. Y'all might log on and sit there and watch TV and be on the turkey banquet. Uh, we, we definitely are excited to have you on tonight with us, and uh, we're proud, proud to have you here, and, and we're excited to hear about this great Oklahoma buck you took this year and hear what else came aboard. But before we get into all that, Cody, fire it off, brother. Shooting you straight. So this first question here is brought to us by none other than the man himself, Cody Fowler. He wants to know basically about do you use urine to attract bucks? And there's that can go all season, mid season, um, and there's different. There's several different types of urine, and he's wanting to know about you know freshening up scrapes. Do you use it? You know, pre rut. Would you? What would you use necessarily going into post rut? Would you still use it, or would you? Would you not? Um, Doe and estrus trophy buck. What are you using throughout the year? And I don't know, really. I mean, I've always – so I grew up, tink, go buy a bottle of Tink 69, and when the bucks start chasing a little bit, pour a little on your boot, walk in, hang your scent wick, and hope for the best. That's the way I was brought up, you know. I mean, and I don't – you know, and now this past year really for me was the first year that I really kind of focused on seeing a little more – but it didn't necessarily pay off for me um, as far as trying to freshen up a scrape that I'd found and really get the bucks in the area to checking it more. But I really don't have a well, vast Eric. Knowledge. You know, you're a you're you're a uh, a campaigner for Black Widow. You know, scents. So you probably got a little bit more, I guess, in-depth knowledge of what the different scents are, what you, you know, your regiment goes into the season and, and what time of year that you use it. Early season, what type of scents are you putting out there? Usually early season, I try to just put out like a, an all-season scent. Like Black Widow's got an extreme interest that you can use all season. So it's kind of just a, it's almost like a calming scent type of thing. And then you can use Young Buck all, all year because Young Bucks are always doing stuff all year long. So you can use it. Um, don't use anything like hot and ready or 
tink 69 or anything like that early season because it's just not happening yet. You know, the deer know that. And um, so early season, that's about all I use. I don't do any mock scrapes really early season. I kind of just wait and see what happens because with a scrape, if you don't put it in the right place, it's not going to work. I don't care what you use. You know, if you don't have it in the right place, it's not going to work. And that's just that's like anything else. If you don't use the right scent the right time of year, it's not going to work. So going into the rut, you know, portion of the year, if it if you start using, you know, a buck and est or a doe and estrus or a, a a buck, you know, bomb or whatever it may be, do you throw something in a scrape or you just use it randomly throughout the season? You you spray it on leaves, you spray it on wicks. What do you do when it carries into the rut? Well, usually in the rut is when I start picking up the scrapes that are already there, and I use more of a dominant buck and a doe and estrus. But on the dominant buck in Georgia, especially you've got to kind of watch it because a lot of places here we only got two and three year olds walking around and use a dominant buck you're not going to see that two and three year old if that's not the deer you want to shoot then go for it and hope a big one comes by but usually i use that and then black widow has a branch butter i don't know if you've ever seen it but it's like a gel that you put on the licking branch and it's got the glands that a deer will rub on a licking branch gland there yeah and it is a game changer on scrapes i've got video of Six-pointers, ten-pointers, nine-pointers, just tearing the limbs apart. Because so. they've seen another buck come into the area. That's what they look at a lot. Well, that's definitely interesting to hear, and uh, we'll, we'll try to put out some of that, that Black Widow, uh, uh, you know, links on, on this, you know, post so we can uh, we can have people come out there and, and check them out, and maybe they can find some success with it. I, myself, I'm a, I'm a scrape dripper, magnum scrape dripper user. I, I'm a firm believer in them. I've killed two bucks over scrapes using them in Georgia, that came to those scrapes. They were no, they were not scrapes. I made a mock scrape. They came in. I made one up, one down ridge from me. He came to the first one, came to the second one. He passed right by me going to that second one, and I smoked him. I mean, he wasn't, you know, three-and-a-half-year-old eight-pointer several years ago, but to me that was a – to see that be successful was, was good, and I've used it ever since. And I've had trail camera pictures, you know, of them coming in and checking, but definitely would be interested in checking out some of those those different – aspects of of sense as you explained right. that i know there's some calming sense and things like that that you i've, I've seen you post about that are that are kind of neat and i you know maybe interested in using some of those so nick any sense for you no i don't i don't use it i used to all the time like like watson said i used to put out the tinks and you know pull a drag rag in and do all that but i, I don't i don't really mess with it anymore just just i don't know I, I wouldn't say it's a hassle but you get in there you try to get in there early you want to hang those things out and Put them outside there, your trails or whatever you may be putting them on. Just try to, you know, and it may help from time to time just to, you know, wind check a big deer. And you might get a small one. But a lot of times I don't think those big ones are – a lot of times if they have a scrape line, they're probably going to skirt the the um, downwind side of it, you know. A lot of times they'll probably check those before they even make their appearance, especially, you know, during daylight. So um, you're probably better off to – even if you do put something, hunt, still hunt away from it. And uh, that's I, I just don't use them no more. I- I often wonder about, I wonder if deer, because there's so many hunters in the woods and so forth, I've often thought about that, if deer finally learn the smell of a certain scent. Back in the day, you know, it was only tinks. And as ever, you know, Tom, Dick, and Harry went and bought a bottle of Tink 69 and poured out, and I often wonder if deer started associating that, or or if they learn sure, to associate it I'm with sure danger. I'm sure it's a compl- yeah. completely different scent to them, you know, than they're used to walking around in. And if, if it's a place that's un, untouched, unchartered, then they get in there and smell it. I'm sure they're like, 
hang on a minute. What you know? What is this? You know. Well, and I think a lot of it comes back to a curiosity. They they smell something different in the area that wasn't there when they passed through yesterday. And and if it's something that entices them, a hot doe or another dominant buck in the area, they want to go find out what it is. Harmon Deer Sense used to make uh, a, a a spray. And I only found it one time, and it was the best thing. I, and there may be something else out there. It was called interdigital gland, and it was the gland in between their toes. And I would put that on a drag rag. And I killed – now, it wasn't – this was way early on. This 20 years ago. I mean, I was I killed my first muzzleloader buck. He came right in behind on a trail, followed it to the tree, I mean, and then couldn't figure out where it went, and he was going crazy. Killed a nice eight-pointer. Following that interdigital gland in, and I never, I've not been able to find it since. So I, I would like to know if there's something out there. If y'all know anything that was, I like that scent on my drag rag. I've heard more about the licking branch than I have the, than a, I've heard a, a buck maintains more of that licking branch than he does an actual scrape. What's in the ground? Yeah, and then the other big part is, I mean, it's just like anything else. It's got a shelf life. So if you got a bottle of Tink 69 that's been in your bag for two years, it's probably not going to work like it did two years ago. That's right. Or if you leave it in your truck during Georgia bow season and it gets to be 100 degrees, it's probably not going to work as good when it's time to use it. Yep. So you got to watch that too. And I hate when that sense. crap pours, pours all over your stuff and your bag gets all over <laughs> Shout everything. Shout out to Josh Moore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Josh bathes in Tink 69 <laughs> and Magnum Scrape Dripper. Like, he'd wash his hair with it. And, I mean, you no. get in trouble. I, I mean, I ain't kidding you. I've never smelled somebody that smelled like a hot dough. I mean, I, I wasn't a buck in rut, but I almost was in rut the time I got out of the truck. Yeah. Or, or sick at my stomach. I wasn't sure which. But it was – he he likes the smell of it. That's his cover scent. <laughs> Sprayed under his arms and everything else. So – but that was a good question, Fowler. I appreciate you appreciate you bringing that one on. What else you got, Cody? Uh, Robert Manton, um, he brought up an interesting question about prepping hunting sites for next year. And in his um, scenario, he said that um, he doesn't have any grazing areas. It's all it's a hundred percent big woods, which I would assume would mean big hardwoods and you know potentially some old pines and stuff like that. And you call it a grazing area, though, Robert, and, and this is something that I've been successful in doing in the past as far as bringing deer in. I've never killed any mature deer off of it, but as far as bringing deer into an area, you know, you can take some of this uh, seed product out there, which we've got some seed product partners we're going to be, you know, working with in the future that have some of these items, but they, they have the throw and grow. They have these items. You can get out there in the woods, and you can make a plot in the middle of the woods, especially when it gets to an open you know canopy later in the season. But with Georgia, you could plant all the way up to the middle of November, and you're probably going to get enough sunlight and enough you know heat on there to bring it out. And I know a lot of those throw and grow products, they're a rye or, or a millet, something that's going to come up fast. But if you get in there late season, I've had success just scratching it out on the ground, throwing it out, and it makes a little grassy plot. They may wipe it out in two hunts, but may have been those two hunts that I needed to be there. So those are those are things I've done. And, of course, the supplemental feeding that we do, mm-hmm. keeping you sawed out, keeping, you know, you don't have to go out and buy. And I'm going to let you all in a little secret that I do. I go buy rock salt. Go to Walmart, buy you a bag of rock salt. Go to Home Depot, buy you a bag of pool salt. It's all the same stuff. It's salt. Go pour it out. They will come to it. They'll tear a stump up, especially when they get into the growing season in spring and summer. They're looking for that salt. For me, I've had good success with that. As far as keeping feeders full all year, you go with any of the protein products that are out there. Supreme's got a great one, uh, the Supreme Protein Blend. You fill it up. It's good for their horns. So prepping those hunting areas up to that point for me, is is that's all I'm doing. I'm not feeding just a corn-based product. So. Right. 
and food plots, of course. If you wanted to, you know, if you wanted to go in there and trim some trees out to get some more sunlight in there, and you could, you know, if you got the property for a long time and you're going to have it for a while, you could possibly go in there and put some new acorn trees in there. You could put some sawtooth oaks or something in there. It might grow good. Maybe some fruit trees if they get some open light just to get something in there dropping. But if you ain't got no thick cover, you're going to have to catch those deer the front time of the se- uh, first part of the season. So that would be my take on it. That, and I know a lot of people that fertilize their white oak trees. I mean, they'll go out there and fertilize them. That's a good idea. Just so they make sure that they produce white oak acorns. That's a good idea. And that's the other thing that's hard to prepare for. If you've got big oats, it's hard to prepare for that early summer or because you don't know which white oaks are going to be dropping, which ones the deer is going to take to more than others, and that's kind of something you just might have to wait on a little bit. Yeah. See, those white oaks start dropping. You better be close. Mm-hmm. Them deer are going to hammer them hard first. It don't yeah. matter how much corn you got poured out. It wade through corn to get through to a white oak. That's right. <clears throat> that was a good question, Robert. We appreciate that. Sorry it took us so long to get to it. As we said, you know, we're only going to grab these questions as we go, and we're going to try to get to them as we can. And and it's been sitting there a minute. So you know, if there's something that pings off of that, Robert, that you want to send us a message about, or anybody else, if you got a question about anything that we bring up as we're talking, you know, that spins off of maybe not the direct answer you were looking for, or if it you know generates an idea or a topic in your mind. That as we, you know, mention something, hey, where can I find this product? Or what would you do with that product? Send us a message because we're all checking that, you know, any of our social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, you can catch us anywhere on there and you can send us a message and we, you know, more than happy to try to answer it for you. As we said before, this ain't fact. It's just tried and true, you know, efforts that we've put together. So hopefully that answered those questions for you. But, um, as I said, great to have you in in studio with us tonight, Eric. It's been a long time coming. You know, we've talked a lot around the uh, the whole season. And um, why don't you just give us a little, you know, background on on yourself? Um, where are you from? You know, and just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I grew up in uh, Northern Forsyth County. Went to North Forsyth High School. Graduated about the same time as all of you, maybe a little earlier. But besides <laughs> Nick, you old. <laughs> but uh, I started. I mean, I went. First time I remember going hunting was with my dad about eight or nine years old, and we sat in two wooden ladder stands, you know, the old wooden ladder stands that you still see walking around the woods now. But we uh, we sat in that, and a squirrel, I had a twenty two is all I had, eight years old. Squirrel comes out, I'm begging to shoot it, and he's telling me no, and still begging to shoot it, and he's telling me no. Well, then he pulls out a grunt call and just starts going crazy with it. And uh, these deer just come off this hill behind us like crazy, and I turn around, and I start emptying a single shot twenty two at everything I see him move, <laughs> you know. And he shot one, and I said I shot it just because that's the way I was then, you know. And uh, years later, my dad told me that the only reason he pulled that grunt call out was to keep me from shooting that squirrel. <laughs> so he was just trying to do something to keep me from shooting the squirrel. And then first buck I ever shot was twelve years old. We went out and put up a new stand, cut shooting lanes, you know, all that kind of stuff. There's like 10 of us out there doing it. Everybody was peeing at every tree that was around. And and I said, I want to hunt here in the morning. And they're like, you're not going to see anything. There's been eight of us in here, and you know, peeing on every tree and walking around. And I shot a six-pointer, you know, 30 minutes after daylight and went and started blowing on the horn of the truck, you know, <laughs> to let everybody know that I'd shot it. Did you guys so, always hunt in Georgia and hunt local by, back yes. then? Yeah. Yep. Always north, like for South County? No, usually South Wilkes County, Green County, Washington yeah. County, stuff yeah. like that. It was kind of the same way we grew up hunting, kind of off at a club somewhere, just excited to get off for the weekends. So did you, um, was that your first, That was a, you killed that deer with a gun? Yep, yeah. yep, I did. And I uh, we camped in a, 
one of them old big white vans, you know, like the construction <laughs> vans. That's yeah. what we used to drive to the hunting club and sleep in. Had bunk beds. Had the little Taj pro- Mahal. Yeah, a little propane heater. You'd wake up in the morning, the propane would be out, and icicles be on your nose and hanging <laughs> off the ceiling, you know, and you'd be ready to get out just to try to warm up some. <laughs> So no sleeping in back then for sure. Did you always stay? Did you, the love for it always stay even through high school after, or did you kind of miss it for a little while and get away from hunting and get back into it later? Never got away from it. You didn't, yeah. I think that's most of us and too, and just trying to enjoy the outdoors. So, yeah. So I mean, you went through those you know early years of hunting, and and when did it really take off for you? As far as a, it went from a a hobby to a passion. It went. I mean, it's probably. 20s i guess in my 20s before i really got it i mean i didn't kill my first tur- turkey till i was oh now well don't don't get into them turkeys <laughs> nah, yet, man. We, 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 it's close we ain't enough. talking about dude, we ain't talking about turkey hunting yet we gonna get to that i know i know spur brand pump, your brakes. Up, pump your brakes hold the phone Listen, we, we gotta rewind here now he was just hold on hold on now we've got you passion for deer hunting here. You, you deer hunting and everything else. I mean, come on. There's 160 inch deer laying here in front of me. Y'all want me to talk about a turkey? Come on now. Hold the phone. Pump your brakes. <laughs> Jesus. So you went through, you know, the early years hunting in Georgia. When did you first start going out of state? Five years ago. Okay. So it's like us. You really got into it. Well, me and Cody anyway. You know, Nick. He, yeah. he got that big money. He's been getting out a while. So. Yeah, yeah. We've been we've been just blowing money like crazy. We got a big old tree back here. <laughs> so, yeah. well, so you went. Where was you first out of state hunt? Kentucky was my was my first out of state. I actually got in with an outfitter and bought into it and guided hunts and stuff like that. And that was really the only time that I kind of. You were guiding hunts. I was out of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I kind of stopped enjoying it. At that point, yeah, it become more like a job, and I never got to go because I was always taking somebody, and I've still never killed a deer in Kentucky. So how did you work that in? You, I heard that. I feel know the feeling <laughs> on that. How did you work that in with uh, uh being full time employed and being? That was my vacation days. I gotcha. Yeah, I would pick some days to guide people. The other guys would pick some days, and that would be it. And then I wouldn't have time to go hunt myself. So that was kind of the so way. It kind of ruined it for you there for a little bit. It did. So were you sitting with those guys when you're doing that? Were you no, you no, just... we'd just take them out, cook their food, clean their deer, you know, all that kind of stuff. So all the work, but none of the fun. I do kinda. that for a lot of guys I hunt with. It seems like <laughs> <laughs> cook for them, clean for them, yeah. drag put them on deer, put them on deer. <laughs> y'all tune back that sawzall book. Y'all want to hear about that? <laughs> I didn't mean that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You may not have meant it, but you said it. So you went to you know through that phase of the hunting, and then. So the last few years, you've really got back picked up into deer hunting, I guess. Cause well, I mean, I still deer hunted, you know, around Georgia and stuff like that then. And then that's kind of what got me into the whole industry part of the deer hunting was that's kind of got what, what got me into filming. And then filming is kind of just it's like somebody that bow hunts all year. You know, you film all year, whether it's with a bow or with a gun, it's harder. You know, it's more you got to do more things to make it work. More cumbersome so, to the to the concept to actually go right. and climbing a tree. You got to set everything up. Talk me through that. You know, you go you go set up to film. I'm getting in the woods 45 minutes before daylight. You know, 30 45 minutes. You got to be getting in there an hour, hour and 15 minutes before daylight to get everything set up. At least, and you're in there sometimes 30 45 minutes after dark. So because you've got so much stuff, you got to take and pack back out. I mean, my backpack probably weighs 45 or 50 pounds. 
with all the camera stuff. Is that when you start? Nick's does too, but it's full of snacks. <laughs> it's like carrying Alex on your back. <laughs> Don't hit the button. Don't hit the button. So is that when you started filming? Was about five years ago when you started going yeah, there? Yeah, pretty close. Yeah. About five years ago, I started filming. Filming for some clients that wanted to be filmed for, and I liked it, and it was enjoyable. And the biggest thing is you can always go back and, l- and look at the video. Yeah. You know, you can go back and, and watch that and relive it again and again. Yeah, I've never, I've never really wanted a video, but there's a few times I've sh- made shots. I'm like, man, I wish I had a video to go back and look at. So I'm sure that helps situations like that. Now, you're filming with a big camera, but you're also using some of these smaller cameras, the Tacticam and stuff, right? Yeah, usually I have at least – I mean, I've got three GoPros and a big camera that I take with me most all the time. GoPro so, on the on the bow or on the uh, on the on bow the... and a GoPro on a fourth arrow makes a camera arm that stretches out like eight foot for a GoPro and you can stick it off the tree and you can see anywhere you move, stand up, what you do. Is so, that most of the products you use? Is that fourth arrow? Mm-hmm. Yep. Man, they're a good company. They uh, are. Yeah, and so well, you know you're going into the filming side of things, and I guess it kind of resonated back to your guiding side of things. It made it a little bit more of a, a job than just a. Uh, well, not really, because it it is a little bit, but at the same time, it makes you want to get out there even more and get that footage that you need uh, to produce every year. Because, I mean, there's been a lot of deer that have walked by me that I couldn't get on video and that kept on walking. That you and let walk just, because you couldn't I make it happen. I mean, yeah, I let them walk, but I couldn't get them on video. Right. So that's the other big thing for it. If you're thinking about getting into filming and you really want to do it, sometimes that's going to happen. So then you're going to have to just – Pick and choose what you want to do at that point. Well, we we've had a an, an, uh, video that Cody actually filmed me shooting a buck, and I I had the deer at twenty yards right here to my right, and I asked Cody, I said, "Can you see?" And he couldn't see him, and we made the decision to let him come on out, you know, and get a shot on him. And I'm glad we did. Once oh, that yeah. it was all said and done, I me I was ready to shoot right then. But once we got it on film, I was glad we waited and got that opportunity to get him on film because it was neat to go back and look at that and share that hunt with everybody else. So um, this year, you know, has definitely been successful for you. Um, you know, you, you went out of state. How many how many trips did you make out of state this year? Uh, four. To Oklahoma? Three to, to, three to Kentucky and one to Oklahoma. What happened in Kentucky? Tag suit. Any opportunities? One, but it was too dark for the camera to see it. So there, go. oh, no. there he goes. <laughs> could have been your now is that the same property you had five years ago no no that's no, different gotcha different but we had some problems in kentucky too we had <laughs> you know trees getting cut down and bonfires opening day and stuff like that so oh, no. kind of kind of uh made the dampered the hunt a little bit it did. It did. so then you go into uh what what month was it you went into oklahoma november right after thanksgiving we always go to south georgia the week of thanksgiving and we always have our thanksgiving at the hunting club we've done that for who, who do you go down there with? The family that's in the hunting club and then everybody that's down there. And it's just – we've been in probably 10 hunting clubs in the last 20 years or so or, you know, eight or ten. And it's always – we've always went to the hunting club on Thanksgiving. Right. And um, so we were d- there in Thanksgiving, and that Friday after Thanksgiving is when I was supposed to leave. So I drove from Washington County, Georgia, to Nashville to pick up my buddy Justin Day, who was filming for me. And – uh I got there at 5.30, 6 o'clock Friday evening, and we were thinking about sleeping and then leaving and going Saturday, but then I was like, you know, we're going to start hunting Sunday, so let's just go ahead and leave now. So we left at 7 o'clock Friday evening and drove straight through to Oklahoma. We got there as soon as the sun started coming back up. Got you a nap? No, I didn't get a nap. Went right in the tree? 
No, we, we didn't get a nap. We got there. We pulled into the farm. We just kind of watched, you know, deer walk around, do their thing, went to the house where we were staying at, which is owned by the motel, and uh, closed till 10 o'clock. So, <laughs> so kicked back in the old truck there for back in the truck for a while, yeah. Now, you, you had some reconnaissance prior to getting to Oklahoma. I did, yep, I so, did. What kind of cameras were you using at that point? I was using the Reveal by Tacticam. That's the one. I've had spy points. I've had other ones, and that one so far has been the best at the price point to use. And in on previous episodes, we've all talked about, you know, uh, getting into those and, and using them. And that, how crucial of a role do you think it played in you being able to kill this deer in Oklahoma? Uh, I would say it was the most crucial role, but at the same time, maybe not, because I sent the camera out a month before I was leaving, and uh, my buddy Jeremy, who owns the place, he put it out, moved it around two or three times. We got pictures of this deer every single day until two weeks before I was headed out there. And Cody can tell you, I called him probably every other day. He was like, still don't have a picture of him mm-hmm. for two weeks. Driving out there didn't have a picture of him. So you want to talk about being sick. Gun season started a week before I got there. So you were thinking maybe someone had taken the deer yep. before you got there. I was there. like, I don't, I don't want to hunt any other deer. But – so then when we get out there, still don't have a picture of him. We set up a stand um, Saturday, hunted it Saturday evening and seen some deer and then hunted it Sunday morning and seen, you know, 120s, 130s, some busted up deer, stuff like that. But every single deer was going in this one little hedge of woods because Oklahoma's worse than Illinois. So there's no trees to put a stand in. If there is, there's no leaves, there's no cover, there's nothing. So we were 20 foot up in a tree. Justin had his lock on. He had to stand up the whole time because it was so crooked he couldn't sit down. (laughs) And so we had deer all over us, but they were all going to one spot. And, you know, sometimes you just got to move right off the bat. You know, I don't like to, but sometimes you do. And it was going to be Sunday morning was going to be 8 degrees with, you know, or not Sunday morning. Monday morning was going to be 8 degrees with 20-mile-an-hour winds. So I was like, I'm not sitting in this tree, 8 degrees, 20-mile-an-hour winds with nothing around us. So we decided Sunday at lunch we went and put a blind up in that hedge of woods because there's nothing to get in with a stand. And we hunted it that evening, seen a lot of deer, got back in there that morning, you know, an hour, hour and a half before daylight, and had deer walking around us. We could hear them walking and hear them walking. And then we were doing the interview right when it got light enough inside the blind to do an interview, you know, to – talk about everything that was going on for that morning as soon as he cut the camera off he said there's your boy and I was like what are you talking about and he was right over my left shoulder about 40 yards oh wow first deer we seen that morning so and then the rest you'll have to see on Mossy Oak Go app on how it unfolded <laughs> oh god here we go <laughs> but now this, uh, this is what happens when you bring celebrities <laughs> on they just tease you tease you but no for real he uh he come out we got good video of it and, and it is awesome footage. You know, we've been fortunate enough to catch some glimpses of that footage, and it is some awesome footage of a, of a great deer that you actually have a shed laying here that, that your your son found. Yeah, he found earlier this year we turkey hunted in Oklahoma. and uh, <laughs> I'll let you buy with that one. <laughs> so he actually found that shed. It's the first shed he's ever found and obviously the biggest, but that shed was found 40 yards from where I shot that deer at. So was he completely avoiding those camera areas? No, I just think that stuff changed. The the rut was happening. Uh, Actually, they had planted a wheat field 
on the other side of the farm that's usually not there. So all the travel patterns from years past have changed a little because bit. Because they don't, where you hunt, are there a lot of crop fields there? There's not a lot, but there is some. There's it's alfalfa wheat fields. That's about all you have. There's not much corn, soybeans, nothing like that. Yeah. And then there can be 10 miles between fields, or there can be one mile between fields. So, but the deer just changed. I guess in that two weeks, they changed their pattern going, because there was an alfalfa field on the other side, and it had gotten really cold. So usually in, you know, years past, I've noticed if it gets really cold, they kind of stop hitting the alfalfa as hard. It gets bitter or whatever, but they kind of just change and move to the other side of the farm. So I guess that kind of, you know, going back a little bit where, you know, let's go back to where Jason Lewis was on. And Jason prefers to hunt deer early season when they're on that food source pattern. You know, he went walked us through the, the two bucks that he had taken in Kansas and they were both in, you know, early season during the early season muzzleloader with, you know, food. They were they were driven on food. Is that the point that you like to go out, or are you more of, of a rut hunter? You know, and, and I know you get, just like everybody, you get a certain amount of time to go out of state or go to wherever you want to hunt. What is that crucial time for you to get into the woods? Is it during the rut, or is it, you know... Mine is really whatever time you can pattern in the best. I mean, all every deer is different. So if you've got cameras out, sometimes early season you've got him better, and sometimes later season you've got him better. Late season sometimes can be the best last two weeks of season can be the best of the whole year because they they kind of get back on that food source but a little more hot and heavy than they were earlier in the season. Do you have an opportunity to go back to Kentucky late season or no? No. No. I just kind of hung it up after all the farming issues we had. Yeah, I understand that. And definitely, you know, anybody that's that's not already on the uh, Mossy Oak Go app, go over there. And where can they find that information at? There's an app on the Apple Store. You can go, you know, Amazon Fire Stick, Roku, all that stuff's got it. And it's free. There's deer hunting, turkey hunting, bass fishing. I mean, you can do anything you want to see is, is on there. Um, rewind a little bit. I, won't, I, I hate to keep going back to this, but, you know, once you, uh, once you had – taking the deer in Oklahoma was that the only buck you could take yeah that's the only one I could take but so my cameraman he just went to to film me is basically what he did because I knew that big deer was there and I knew if I filmed it myself and I had a chance to shoot it or get it on film it was going to get shot so and I didn't want that to happen if I could help it so he came and filmed with me and then we we actually found him a spot to hunt on a different farm and we just kind of went out just in the dark, had no idea. It was 20 miles away, just one big wheat field with a little bit of woods. So we threw up a blind because there's no trees, and we seen 30 deer every time we sat there. And uh, we had a good eight-pointer come in the first the first evening, but it was the first evening, so he was like, well, maybe I'll just let him go, see if anything else comes out, you know. And uh, that Wednesday, it snowed from when we got in the stand till we got out, and we stayed all day. We'd done made the decision to stay all day. The, the windows were down. The snow was coming in the windows. I was huddled up back in a corner because all I had to do was move a camera. He was getting snowed on. You know, it, we had three inches of snow in the blind because it snowed so bad. <laughs> yeah, you actually sent me a video from your phone, and he was just, like, panning around. And it was just snow piling in the windows. All and day. we seen a lot of deer that day, and then it took us about two hours to get back to the house just because of the roads. Wow. It took us – 30 minutes to get in the truck because the doors were froze so much. We had to get our water bottles out of our bags and kind of pour them into the door handles and try to get the door to open. Is that northeast Oklahoma? Northwest. 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 It's only about 30 miles south of Kansas. Okay. Kind of right at the panhandle of Oklahoma. 
So when you're getting into, you know, Oklahoma is predominantly not considered, you know, a golden state in, in the eyes of most southeastern hunters. Is this the first time you've been to Oklahoma hunting? No, I've been the last four years. I've been to Oklahoma. Same farm? Nope. Two last two years have been the same farm, and then the two years before that was southeast Oklahoma. Is this just knocking on doors? And- no, it's just buddies of mine just through the years that's had connections, and we talk and you know get it hooked up where we can go. So give yeah. us a little give us a little insight because most people, like Alex said, most people know you know some people kind of know what Illinois is, some people kind of know what Kentucky is. What's the What's Oklahoma? Yeah, yeah. Where does paint Oklahoma a, fall paint, in your list? Paint a picture of, of Oklahoma hunting too. I mean, I know you said there's no trees there, right? But. I mean, it's it's flat oil fields and you know flat roads and people. All the people are nice, just like they are in any midwestern state. It seems like. And uh, biggest thing about Oklahoma is it's not really pressured like Illinois, Kentucky. I kind of think of it as a sleeper you know, state. Yeah, just think of it as Greene County, Georgia, or Wilkes County. It's like it got hunted to death. By everybody, and then you had those counties, Macon, Dooley, whatever, that were the big buck counties. And uh, it's kind of the same thing. It's just sleeper state. And if I can, I'll go back every year. Well, that's great. I mean, and that's, you know, definitely something we're looking forward to seeing on. I want to see the video, and uh, that's uh, that's exciting. I want to spin off of that, talking about hunting in Oklahoma. And and I know probably a lot of listeners would probably like to hear this. A lot of people don't use ground blinds here, and you have to use ground blinds there. So – Give us like your. I've I've used ground blinds before, on one occasion, and and I didn't really. It, it wasn't a success for me. Now I didn't have it covered in like I probably should have. But what's your take on hunting ground blinds deer season? Well, ground blinds. I mean, I don't like to hunt in a ground blind, but if I have to, I will. But it's just a lot more work because you, like you said, you got to brush it in really good. And a lot of times, I try to pick. I don't pick the best spot for it to be in for me. I pick it the best spot for it to be in, not to be seen. So if there's a big brush pile or there's something like that, I'll put it there, and then I'll have to adjust on what the deer are doing. And you make sure 99% of it's basically covered, brushed in? Yep. Yeah. That's what I've it's, always heard. Now, do you go with all black apparel inside of it? No. 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 I've, I've wore all black. I've wore camouflage. I've wore a T-shirt sometimes, and yeah. it just – the movement's the biggest part, just like anything. But if you have it brushed in good, they're not going to see you in there. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've never, like I said, only one time, and I, I didn't really care for it, but I probably could take the work and brush it in and probably be pretty good because, like I said, there's a lot of places you can't get a – it'd be nice to have one. And then spraying it down is another big part. Like, don't go buy a blind at Walmart and go throw it in the woods and jump in it because yeah. you're, you're probably not going to see any deer. Because yeah. I leave mine in the driveway for two months sometimes and just leave it out and then roll it up, put it in the bag, and then spray it down when you put it out. As far as brushing one in – you know, is Oklahoma, does it have a lot of undergrowth or is it, you know, is it just a place that has a lot of small trees or is it big hardwood timber? Is it, you know, cottonwoods and, and, you know, the just, just, a, or is it just an array of all different kinds? There's no oak trees and there's no pine trees. It's cedar trees and cottonwoods is about all you've got. And then there's some high grass and there's some little bit of undergrowth, but not a whole lot, but mostly cedar trees. So that's what we brushed that blind in was, was a lot of cedar trees. So, Kentucky, Georgia, Oklahoma, what other state? That's it? That's it. What? That's it. Come on now. What's on the radar? What is, what's up, what's coming up? The radar this year is Indiana. Actually, my son hunted Indiana this year uh, with a crossbow, and we've seen some deer, but not not the ones that he wanted to shoot. But Indiana's on the radar for next year with a lease, so we'll see what happens. 
Indiana's uh, another, another state. sleeper state. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, I was yeah. about, to, mm-hmm. about to say that. I've got a good friend there that's been telling me for years, come to Indiana, come to Indiana, and I've been skipping him out, and then I've started seeing his son, Hunter, drop some monsters up there, and I'm like, maybe I need to go to Indiana. Did it seem like there are a lot of hunters when you went there? Oklahoma? No, Indiana. No. No. No, not a whole lot. And usually, you know, it's like Kentucky and Illinois, the locals that hunt there usually hunt rifle, muzzleloader, shotgun, and then they're done. So, How is the um, rifle season? And Is it rifle season in Oklahoma? There is. It's two weeks. Yep, two weeks rifle season and, and one muzzleloader week. Their rut is the you're typically the first of December? No, Oklahoma is typically the second week of November, kind of the week before rifle season oh. starts. It's kind of when it starts kicking off pretty good. Kind of spins off to what we've been talking about on other episodes. You know, that rut pattern, don't matter where you're at in the country, it's, you know, basically a swing right around those second, third week of November. It's, it's so, on. Unless you're in for, Alabama. Except for weird Alabama. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and hey, no Alabama hunting? Nope. Not yet. Nope, not yet. Tags are too expensive. They are. I've got off, I've got land all over Alabama hunting. We can't say tags are too expensive. Well, we that's true. We go to Illinois. <laughs> yeah, I'll agree with that. And yeah. tags in Oklahoma aren't bad. I mean, it's 300 bucks. One buck or two? Well, you can kill two bucks during bow season with a bow. You can actually kill two bucks altogether, but only one during rifle or one during muzzleloader or two during bow or a combination. What is the archery season? It starts the 15th or so in October. And then goes to the fifteenth of January, right around in there. So about the same as everywhere else, too. Yeah. And it's uh, but the problem with it is it's three hundred dollars for each one. So if you want a muzzleload for the week, it's three hundred. If you want a rifle for the two weeks, it's three hundred. If you want a bow hunt, it's three hundred. Over the counter. Mm-hmm. So if you get it, that's why I've never got a lease because if I get a lease, it'd be nine hundred dollars worth of tags to hunt all year. Is there a lot of public land in Oklahoma? There is. Yeah. There is. Hmm. That's good. <laughs> how far is oklahoma <laughs> yeah how far is 15 and a half hours from my house to where i was at oh shit hop yeah. skip and a jump hey talking about talking about indiana 18 no 16 oh 16 to iowa yeah talking about indiana i went up there two years two different years um with a guy uh i stayed at a, a guide place but we just had access to their property to coyote hunt and you don't talk about the deer we saw fields full of deer we didn't see no giant bucks, which we were there like February, March. So some of them may have already lost their horns and stuff, but tons of deer in those fields. About froze 40. to death. Oh, yeah. The license ain't about too bad there either. I was actually looking at them the other day because we were looking at about go, uh, maybe going up there on a turkey hunt. And um, Don't. Okay. Is that okay, Alex? <laughs> Don't you dare mention it. <laughs> Where my truck breaks at? Golly, where my truck breaks at? We going to get to that. I'll just give it a minute. So – Still going down the deer hunting path. Um, I just want, you know, one more thing off of that. You know, there, we always ask it. it, it, it there's got to be one hunt that sticks out in your mind as, as you know, what what's what's one of those hunts in your mind? It may not be your favorite one, may not be the best one, but what's that one hunt that always res- resonates to you when, you when you think about deer hunting? Well, mine is actually the last one. And especially now, the last couple of years, the way the world's gotten is my last hunt is my best one always because you never know if you're going to get to do it again. With everything that's going on, so well, there's another t-shirt. It's always the last one. <laughs> that's that's a good one. That's a good one. Now I know you you got you got two kids. You got a boy and a girl, correct? I and I know you probably got some good hunts with them. I know both of them's killed deer, right? No, but uh, just my son's killed deer. My daughter's still kind of trying to figure out if she wants to shoot a deer or not. She's had the opportunities, but never pulled the trigger. Now turkeys, that's a different story. Yeah, <laughs> she'll blast them every day, but yeah. deer, she just can't do it yet. Yeah. 
But my son has been fortunate to kill he's a probably probably eight deer, and he's turning twelve in March. He eat up with it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He killed more turkeys than I did last year. But, um, so the you know going to Oklahoma, Kentucky, has it changed your outlook on Georgia? No, I still have the same. And everywhere you go, you have a different, I guess, frame of mind when you go hunting. Like when I go to Georgia, I'm not looking for a 160 to walk out. Set your expectations. I'm looking for a 100-inch deer to walk out in some places. So, And it changes on every one. You know, some people's like, well, that deer should have lived another year. Well, maybe so, but he would have probably got shot 30 minutes after I let him walk. So my expectations change where I'm hunting at. It doesn't go. I mean, if it gets my heart pumping and gets me excited, then you're just going to get an air slung or a – what what county you guys hunt in in Georgia and South Washington County in yeah. South Georgia? Yeah, the deer's probably you guys got more deer down there. Well, you probably do up here, don't you? No, not really. Really, not anymore. No, nope. it just seems like, especially when the when they change to the more deer, you know, twelve deer a year or whatever it is, and then you know the baiting and the stuff like that. It's just it's South Georgia to me has gotten a lot worse. How about the hogs? They're overran. Yeah. Yeah, and that's probably a, a bigger portion of it than anything else. You guys try to shoot those? Everyone that steps out. Really? Yeah. <laughs> They're off and hammers. Everyone. Hey, he was successful in Georgia, though, this year. I was. I shot a seven-pointer in uh, Forsyth County with my bow this year. And, I mean, he's not a monster, but he was the biggest deer I had on camera. And the last probably four years, that's what I've tried to do is find a deer and hunt a deer. And that's what – get your heart pumping? It did. Well, yeah, that's just all as that much matters. as that one. So, that's all that matters. So I've tried to just try to focus on a deer, and it seems it's just funner to focus yeah. on a deer instead of just going and sitting in the woods and saying, I hope one shows up. I like to try to just focus on one and put all my effort into that. All right. Well, you know, it, it's, they've been talking about it enough, so uh, won't you spin into, you know, Y'all give us a break. We're going to let Alex step out. <laughs> I'm going to go outside, so might be quiet for a few minutes. So um, talk about Spur Brand. You know, Spur Brand's your, 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 your brand. You're promoting it all the time. We see it on all your social media. We see it everywhere you go. And, and so tell me about Spur Brand. What is, what is Spur Brand? I'll pump my brakes and, okay. and tell me about Spur Brand. Well, Spur Brand is a apparel company that, I mean, we've got shirts, hoodies, hats, stuff like that, but we've also got the TV show. And coming up, we've got some other stuff in the works for How'd you get involved with those guys? Uh, Actually, I I know a friend of mine that knows the owner of Spur that lives in Indiana, Mike Chambliss. And, uh, you know, he was like, you need to get in with those guys. You're filming your hunts. You're not giving it to anybody. You're just kind of doing it on your own. So I talked with Mike, sent him some videos, and that's where it went. And so – and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you I've I've been and, and we've done the whole camera setup and, and everything for turkey and, hunting. Yes, and yeah. that that's a job. I bet. And especially when they're hammering, I would I'd be like, set that camera down. <laughs> oh, and and then you know the one time that we, which we'll talk about this more in turkey season. One time we get it on film. Yeah, there's no camera light, and we double up film. That it was you could see, but. The film was not. It was just usable. too dark. It's it too dark to see usable. it. I mean, it was ten minutes after shooting light, but still not not bright enough to use it. But I told Cody I was going to put him close to one, and we got close to it. Just too close. <laughs> you say. You say. So, all right. Let's say camera lights five fifteen. You know, or excuse me, legal shooting light ends at five fifteen. You got twenty minutes before that camera lights out, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty close. And 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 I actually bought a new camera this year just to gain an extra ten minutes in the morning and ten minutes in the evening. So it depends on what cameras you're running to. Was y'all sitting in a ground blind? Who? 
you and Cody when y'all no. y'all sitting straight on the ground. Mm-hmm. We had a little had a little, like a little tripod. Up. Yeah, one of them little three sided blinds yeah. popped up. No, I mean like, did you have a tripod for the camera? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Tripod yep. and then GoPros out, and then he runs the GoPros off of his phone. He tells one of the GoPros when to turn on and record and stuff. So he's doing all that plus calling plus. You know, trying to get on the turkeys, and I'm like, poof, poof, they're right here <laughs> in our laps. They're right here. So um, it's a lot of work. I mean, I, you know, I have to carry all the decoys because he has to carry the camera gear. And then he shoots the decoys. Hey, shot a decoy. Yeah, he shot, yeah, the shot a brand new Avian. XD. He got the turkey though, but he yeah. shot a brand new Avian X decoy. Did you give the him a decoy to mount? <laughs> yeah. Well, how much the decoy cost to mount these days? <laughs> uh, about 160 bucks. <laughs> but, uh, what's your What's your love for turkey hunting compared to deer hunting? Uh, it's kind of took it over lately. Yeah. Yeah. Turkey hunting's kind of took it over. One, the biggest things, both my kids are in it more than they are deer. Well, not casing, but Tenley's more into turkey hunting than than deer hunting. So it's it's fun to do, and it's a little bit shorter. So you kind of got to put all your eggs in one basket and go for it. It's probably a little bit easier with kids that age, younger age, just set them in a blind or set them behind some cover and and they can move a little bit better if they need to. Yeah, yep. usually my daughter's was in a blind. Kaysen's, uh, when we went to Oklahoma, it was not in a blind. We were out in the elements, so that was the first time he really got to experience how to real turkey hunt. I'm, I'm telling you, you need to go if you haven't. I don't have any affiliation, but I, me and my son both, that Mossy Oak Go app, like I said, it's all free, spur brand, all their stuff's on there, all Eric's turkey hunts and all that, and it's it's some good footage, and it's it's all free. You ain't got to pay for it. And there's a lot of good old boys on there hunting, not just Eric and all them. I mean, there's – Did y'all start um, turkey hunting in Oklahoma at the same same time you started deer hunting? No, it was a couple years after before I started turkey Those hunting. Those are all Rios, right? Yeah, they are. How Except are- for southeast Oklahoma's easterns. So southeastern yep southeastern oklahoma is easterns and then when you get middle to the west it turns to rios how is hunting those rios versus a eastern uh easy really yeah you throw a decoy out do a little calling and they come run up and try to spank it really well what are they roosting out there (laughs) the only trees that's there that's why it's so easy because there's only so many trees they can roost in so you find the tree you find the food and you get in between and you got a turkey yeah is the predator i heard that that might got a turkey (laughs) (laughs) how's the predator is the uh, predators out there yeah, a lot of coyotes. Out really, there. lots. Yep. So, take in. You don't know what you're it, talking about. It, I, that's why I'm gonna ask a question. <laughs> I'm gonna ask a legitimate question here from an ignorant turkey hunter. I don't. I don't know nothing about it. Uh, you said Eastern. You said Rio. Is that what he said? What's a What's another turkey uh, Got species? and Osceolas, and that's the United States. Have you killed all of them? Not yet. This year gonna be different is they a grand is that is that a grand slam for turkeys there like is. they are for deer or yes. any other game yeah if you get all four of those you've got a grand slam and uh four of us with spur brand is going to try to get that this year in a single season so we're going to be headed to florida as soon as it opens what's in florida osceolas and then go to I, texas I, I for rios sense. and either nebraska or north dakota south dakota for merriams and then the states we all live in are easterns so. have you hunted those before uh, no never have yeah the only time I went out of state was last year for turkeys. Uh, we've been we've been kicking the idea around also and going out there and hunting some rios and and just to get out, just to try something different, just to see what else it's like because there's so much public land in these states that and and people don't people don't turkey hunt like they do deer like they deer hunt and 
and we'd love to get out there and get on just try something different like you said just get on different birds and i guess florida's the hardest one is what is. they say florida's the hardest one to get on because there's not there's a lot of there's public land in florida but you got to fight the people the gators the snakes and everything else and then try to find a spot nope so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, yeah. there's Easterns in Illinois, but they look like ostriches running around. Those That's the way they are in Iowa. I seen a hen up there to whoop any rooster I ever seen down here. I mean, I'm talking about full fledged fighting roosters down here wouldn't stand a chance against them hens. I ain't never seen turkeys that big. And that's, you know, that's definitely coming up on down the road. Mr. Eric Richards gonna come back and talk about spur brand and all the things they do with the uh with the turkey hunting. But um, you know, Eric I I, I can't thank you enough for coming on and, and and being on with us and you know giving giving your take on the deer hunting side of things and uh i know it seemed like we didn't talk a whole lot about the deer hunting because he won't give us no more information on this giant we're just gonna have to wait he said what, he was the, what was the score on that deer 159 and three quarters every bit of a mainframe eight beautiful yeah that's huge a, eight <laughs> yeah massy do you got one on you got a target book already not out there. You already pulled the cameras, or you? Just, yep, I already pulled them. Yeah, I pulled them just because I was afraid I'd get a target buck and then not be able to sleep. <laughs> yeah, not be able to sleep, or I'd get one and the neighbor would get it or something like that. So I'll just I'll give it a few months and try again. Um, hunting, you know, everybody's got what you always ask is, and you know, who who do you want to shout out to? I mean, as far as your hunting career goes, to you got anybody you comes to mind when you want to? You, you know, shout out and thank well, for getting be, you into it, or, or who keeps you going now? Well, it'd be my dad and grandpa that got me into it. And then, you know, my dad keeps me going. Chandler Johnson keeps me going. He kind of keeps me level-headed sometimes on trying to get too into the video inside and kind of sit back and relax a little bit and enjoy it some. I mean, I still go out and hunt without a video camera some, you know, just to get that rela- relaxation without having to worry about cameras sometimes. But as far as, you know, deer hunting goes the other thing i've learned over the years is sometimes you've got to when you're talking about scent we were talking about scent control earlier and you're talking about you know hunting the wind and all that kind of stuff sometimes you've got to hunt the wind that the deer likes not the wind you like so that was another way we got that deer is we hunted the wind like he liked and that was another reason the blind came into into effect about trying to keep our scent down the best we could yeah, it's interesting. I got one more question real quick for you. Well, I'm, I, we got all night, son. Fire yeah. away. Talking about the wind and talking about deer in Oklahoma, you know, we talked about deer in Illinois, and I'm sure Kentucky's the same way, and I was probably the same way for Alex up there, but are they are they as curious as they are in Georgia? In Oklahoma, are they always looking around? Are they always looking up? Not as much, no. Yeah. They don't really look up in Oklahoma much because, I mean, there's not hardly a nothing whole lot to look of trees. Up to, yeah. Nothing to look up at. And uh, But there's a lot of vegetation real low to the ground. There is. So they're probably always looking, making sure nothing's – no yeah, predators. that and when you talk about the wind, like in Oklahoma, if the wind's not blowing, the deer don't move. I mean, if, if it's, it's not, not blowing, blowing 12 or 15 miles an hour, sometimes you won't see a deer. Yeah. Is there a lot of ditch rows and stuff between those fields? Yeah, like, a lot of ditch, a lot of bowls. Things like that, and then they just usually they travel the fence rows more than anything because that's about all the cover they got. Yeah, Oklahoma definitely goes on the radar. Yes, you know, Indiana was already there, but Oklahoma definitely goes, and uh, hopefully, maybe, maybe we we we've toyed with the idea of kicking it around, maybe inviting him to go to Illinois with us. I don't know for sure. Cody keeps mentioning it; he may bring his feller with us. I don't know. He, I've never he's, hunted Illinois. So. He's, he's a turkey hunter. I don't know if I can listen to gobble gobble <laughs> for a week. In, in, at least I can calm Cody down. I can't calm both of them down. But 
Um, anything else you got, Eric? You want to, you know, you mentioned any other brands you're affiliated with? I think we covered them all. Yeah, we covered them all. And, uh, I mean, we've got this shed here. I'll get Cody to take some pictures later. But that shed is from last year. And, I mean, how, how many inches do you think that deer grew from last year to this year? He, he added 30 inches every bit of it. If, he, yeah. if his other side came anywhere close to matching it. Yeah, and I had been using uh, Deer 30 Mineral, just the mineral, because, I, I mean, there's not enough time to do the protein and that stuff out there. I just did some mineral sites, you know, the last couple of years during turkey season and put it out, and, I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. There's that, and then, you know, a lot of times deer, their horns, especially out there, their horns change year to year just because of the weather. You know, if it's a dry year, he may lose 10 or 15 inches. If it's a good year, he may gain 10 or 15 more. What's a good deer in Oklahoma? A good deer in Oklahoma, I mean, 160 to 180 is is a good deer in Oklahoma. I mean, you I know, I mean, and don't get me wrong by asking that question because yeah. Yeah, mm. that's a great deer to me, but you go to every state, you know, yeah. you've got measurements in every state. That, yeah. And I don't, I don't care what anybody out there says, you go anywhere but Georgia, you've got an opportunity at killing a bigger deer than you do here, those giants here. But, you know, you go to Oklahoma, you got a better chance of killing a 160 than you do in Georgia. I mean, for South County, where he grew up is – Probably one of the best places in Georgia. Top three. Yeah. And then you can't find a place to hunt now. That's the bad part. <laughs> Between houses and everybody else. Houses and neighborhoods. I mean, all the old places I used to hunt in for South County, if I could hunt them now, I don't even know if I'd go to Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. My There's, big deers, in those, There's big deer in those areas. Mm-hmm. Um, Army veteran, right? Yes. Yep, yep. So four years. We appreciate your service there. Thank you. And uh, definitely, definitely transitioned over into, into a mad dog killer with uh, what you've been laying down. Yeah, so we want to. We want to we want to hear more about it as turkey season gets in. I know you'll come back on. I mean, I, I try to cut these boys off on that turkey hunting because I ain't a turkey hunter, but I'm gonna definitely let them have their moments and talk about it because both of them are eat up with it just like you are. And we definitely appreciate you coming on. And uh, you know, anything else you got for us? That's it. I just appreciate y'all letting me come on here and talk a little bit. Well, you, you talked enough because uh, the turkey hunting is definitely something I don't know anything about. And you taught me something I <laughs> didn't have a clue about. So yeah, we got a lot of we got a lot of turkey hunting talk to come on. So you guys may be missing Alex in the next few coming months. So yeah, if I disappear, you can find me on the lake jerking in big bass. Oh, we got plenty <laughs> of bass fishing. Pump your brakes on the turkey oh, hunting. Yeah. There's plenty of bass fishing <laughs> episodes to come on. But before we even get into the turkeys and the bass and all that hey, talk about it talk about it talk about it we've got some we've got some people lined up to come on here and talk about a little predator predator control some pretty uh, big name in the industry probably uh, one of the biggest names in the yes. industry that's going today we ain't gonna drop him but he's coming yeah. soon and uh cody himself so as a mad dog coyote killer he and i've laid down a, a pile of them and uh hopefully we can get a little bit more going on mm-hmm. now that deer season's out of the way yes, we've got sir. plenty of time does he let uh, other people shoot coyotes when he goes with them? Or does he just, you know, lets other people mm. stand in the dark? Let me and tell you shoot? something. Let me tell you something. You got to be quicker on the trigger, old son. <laughs> it's not my fault you stand over in the dark. To He'll bust your, your drums. I mean, I'll say, Cody, there he is. And then the 22, 250 goes off two foot from your head. I, do what? I still can't hear. <laughs> well, this one was walking in. I mean, we were just walking in, and he's like, I'm just going to look at the field. And he looked at it, and he goes, Hold your ears. Pow. Hey. I didn't. Have time to do well, it. now Eric, I can't blame him, Mary. It's all a team effort when you go <laughs> yes, coyote hunting. Is. You got to get, you got to be fast because they're smart. 
So we're definitely excited for that upcoming. Eric Richards, Spur Brand, Spur Brand Pro Staff member, and I ain't going through all the other affiliations you with. We'll hashtag the heck out of it when we drop the episode. And it's going good. Um, as always, go over to all our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, check them out. Give us a follow. Give us a like. If you have an opportunity and you haven't already, please go over to any of the uh, podcast locations, iHeart, iTunes, and uh, definitely over on Spotify, and leave us a review and a rating. Uh, it's, it doesn't take that long to do, and uh, you know it, it definitely helps out our uh, definitely helps out our show as we go. So we uh, we appreciate you coming on with us, Eric, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again. For everybody at Talk About It Outdoors, we thank you, and uh, we'll be back with you real soon. I promise it won't be as long as lifetime. So as always, smile as you go, and don't forget to mount the memories.